is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Good evening, everyone. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead, number 434, recorded on Thursday, June the 6th, 2019. June. Hey, that's one of the characters' names. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're right. It is. I forgot all <laughs> <Weird>. about that. <laughs> it's not that weird, but... You if know, I had three daughters, I would name them April, May, and June. That would be hilarious. Yes, it would. You get get working on that, man. You need three daughters now. <laughs> that's a lot of daughters. <laughs> I have two. It's a lot of daughters, but uh, yeah. that's just because of the ages they're approaching, I think. Anyhow, uh, welcome to the program, everyone. This is The Talking Dead. We are, of course, the longest-running podcast uh, about The Walking Dead on the internet. I'm very proud of that. So far. Well, for now, yeah. We're, <laughs> we're still going. <laughs> so far. So yeah. far, we're the longest. That's right. Somebody uh, might eventually be longer than us. Maybe, but uh, not for now. For now, you and I are the longest, baby. So we are here to talk about season five, episode one of Fear of the Walking Dead this week. Um, But I just wanted to start off uh, by saying that, um, you know, if if you haven't listened to us in a little while, because maybe, you know, it's been the off season or our last episode was the crossover with Karen and Jason from the walking dead cast. You know, if people don't listen to their show, they might not listen to that episode of ours. Um, what I explained at that during that episode is kind of how we're going to approach the coverage for fear this season. And it's going to be a tiny bit different uh, than usual, right? Not, not, not vastly different, but a little bit. And the, the biggest change is that we're going to be recording on Thursday nights instead of like Monday or Tuesday, which right. would be right after the episode airs. And which the, is why it's Thursday now. Correct. Which is why it's Thursday right now. Uh, and the reason for that is, was to try to give people some time after the new episode airs to watch it and think about it and send in some feedback or, or whatever they might want to do. And then, you know, incorporate more of that into our podcasts about the show, because that's not something we had much of a chance to do covering fear because we didn't do a feedback show and and stuff like that. So here we are on Thursday night, the, you know, four days after, uh, or five days after the season five premiere of fear, the walking dead. And I got to say, we got probably the least amount of feedback we've ever had about an episode of either show. Is it, is it less than zero? Is It's not less than zero. No, okay. it's a little bit more than zero, but it's not a very, we've received zero feedback, like way back early in the days when we started this podcast, we didn't get any feedback. Well, I mean, not a lot, but even from like episode one, we've got people sending emails and stuff. So I don't think we've ever had a zero feedback week. Right. Um, and that's not, that's not what happened here, but it is, uh, it was very, very slow. So I figure one of a few things happened, uh, you know, either people didn't watch the episode or they don't care <laughs> about right. it anymore. And that's a re- re- reflected in the ratings a little bit, which I'll talk about in a second. Um, or maybe, maybe they needed a reminder because it's been a few weeks since we podcasted mm-hmm. and 
you know, they, and, and like I said, if people didn't listen to that episode, sort of explaining what we're doing now, maybe they need a reminder, which there was no opportunity to do because, well, we haven't released any episodes since then. So right, that's what I figure is going on and that's okay. As the season goes, I'm sure things will pick up a little bit. And now that we're back and you're listening to this and you hear me say, send in your feedback because we want it. We want to read it on the show um, and incorporate it into the discussion about every episode of Fear. So that's where we're at right now. Send in the feedback. Do it. Do it. We need it. We want it. We love it. We like it. <laughs> yeah. It's good. Uh, so I mentioned the ratings. Uh, before we get into the episode, season five, episode one of Fear got 1.97 million viewers. Hmm. That, I mean, that's pretty low. It's pretty low, but that's not low for this show, is it? How, what was the, what did we look at last season? No, it's, it's not low for this show at all. I mean, last season averaged about 2 million. Uh, some of them, right. some were under two, some were over two. The season four finale got 2.13 um, and you know, in the middle of the season, we were down at 1.83, 1.52 in that neighborhood. So, you know, we averaged a little around, around two season eight started with over four though, um, and immediately dropped to three point something. So, uh, right. it started a bit stronger. Season five started with 1.97 and I, I, from what I understand though, it still won the night. Like it was still the most watched show on Sunday oh, night. Okay. Well, that's good. So there's that. But uh, it's certainly not in the zone of The Walking Dead, even with no. The Walking Dead's massive decline lately. It is June. People are starting to go outside again. Well, that, you know, that might be a Canadian-centric view. But, uh, you know, generally speaking, it's, it's right on the cusp of summer. We are. In the Northern Hemisphere. We, we are right on the cusp where we are. Um, and it's also light out later now so it yeah. can be tough to come in to watch shows when you're having a nice time out yeah. on your deck or your backyard or the park or where whatever you do in these i'm not, I'm not going to sit inside and watch tv i'm going to go outside and enjoy life and then i'll catch up on this show in the fall when it's done and i can just binge watch it right so should we pause the recording and no, no, start? i'm just thinking in generally about how how maybe the uh, the, the the north american uh, or Northern Hemispherian, Northern Hemispherian populace might think like not me or us specifically. Okay. Like we're committed to the show, but, uh, just in general, maybe ratings drop in the summer. And this is why TV shows take summer, summers off. They, you know, the season finale is in May and then they pick up again in the fall. Yeah. Well, that's typically how it's done. Uh, not so much anymore though. I mean, TV is very different now, right? So yeah. even though this is, a uh, week to week broadcast show it's not like you know released all at once on netflix or something like that uh you got to think that the summer is going to impact the number of viewers who watch it live certainly as you said yeah. you might get people who watch it uh later on when they have more time mm -hmm. all right well anyways season five episode one of fear the walking dead it's called here to help and uh let's talk about it right now so just for a little bit of context, uh, I, I went and found some information from the showrunners, Ian Goldberg and Andrew Chambliss, and they said that it uh, this episode, and I got to think most of this season, or at least the first half of this season, 
takes place between seasons eight and nine of The Walking Dead. So that's pre-six-year time jump. So it's right. okay. a while ago. And it takes place um, a couple of months after the end of season four of Fear the Walking Dead. So if you remember what happened at the end of season four, uh, yep. we, we wrapped up that storyline and our group of characters were going to move into that factory, which I think was a denim factory formerly. Yes. They were yep. going to live there, turn it into a place they could live and hang out and... Make clothes and bedding and stuff because a denim factory would have a whole lot of, you know, rolls of denim and that'd be awesome. You could make a Canadian tuxedo for every day of the week. Oh, that would be fan so fantastic. That would be amazing. Uh, and you know, denim is, is a good material for the zombie yeah. apocalypse. It's difficult to bite through. Maybe not yeah, it'd as- It'd be perfect armor may, for, uh, for zombies. Yeah. Maybe not as good as leather, but pretty good. It's, it's, uh, you know, it, thick denim can be warm. So if it's colder out, you can still wear it. It can also be worn in warmer weather, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's the miracle, uh, material. It is. It absolutely is. Can you imagine, do you think they would make a denim cloak? I might wear a denim cloak. Yeah, then you'd be the guy walking around in a denim cloak. I sure would. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm, I'm All right. Look that up on the internet. You could probably. Well, maybe I'll just buy it. a roll of denim. I'm sure you can just go online and say, you know, I want 50 yards. Or go to the, you know, the, the fabric store. They probably have like rolls of denim. I can just buy, you know, five meters of denim. Bring it home, make a cloak. This make is a great a, idea. I like this. Make a cloak, make a carpet, you know, do whatever you want. Denim, denim bed sheets. Ooh, now you're talking sexy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, so that's what they were going to do. That's where we left off at the end of season four. We're now a couple of months after that. And, you know, overall, it seems like what our group of characters are doing in this episode is sort of what they said they were going to do. They were going to try to find people, help them, and foster the creation of a community. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the plan in this episode, but a thing, of course, things don't always go as planned, and um, I feel like that may be kind of a background through line for this season, while we are shown you know, other sort of more detailed things going on that sometimes impact that plan and sometimes don't. That's the feel. It took a while to, for me, it took a while to figure out what the hell was going on. Did it? Did it? Yeah. It did. It took a little while. I was like, okay, why are they in a plane? Uh, Which is the dumbest idea I've I've ever heard of. Like (laughs) you're years into the zombie apocalypse and you find a plane. Let's fly it. I mean. The plane is broken. Like, I don't care what happens or why you don't have a lot of infrastructure to help with plane repair and maintenance, uh, whatever plane you find four years into the zombie apocalypse, that plane is broke. Don't fly it. Right. And not only that, I don't think I was aware that anybody in our crew was a pilot. I'm not sure they were. You know, I... I because they had they had uh, tape on the the instruments. Did you see the tape on the instruments that says "important"? Ignore this. No, just, I, I didn't notice that. That's funny. Okay, so uh, yeah, I'm not entirely sure that anybody was a pilot per se. So uh, yeah, don't don't fly the plane. Well, I mean, let's let's talk about that a little bit because the plane to me it wasn't 
just a problem to me that that it was sort of unrealistic that if you find a plane that's been sitting around for five years, it's not going to fly. We've we've had to kind of put that suspension of disbelief, you know, or or deal with that kind of thing on both shows for a long time. I yep. think the main show, Walking Dead, has done really great things lately to put that kind of stuff behind it somewhat. But on fear, you know, suddenly we open this episode and they're in a plane and they crash. And it felt to me like, oh, here we go again. They're just making stuff up to suit a good kind of action set piece or making up weird stuff to suit the story instead of trying to tell good stories about well-developed characters. And, you know, maybe I'm wrong, but when the hell did Al learn to fly a plane? Uh, I guess you could say she's always known how to fly a plane. We just didn't know that about the character. And that is character development, but it's just cheap. That's cheap. And uh, I agree. It's not good. I agree. That feels cheap. Um, you know, and then when she first radioed Strand at the beginning there, and she was trying to tell him, uh, I have this tape of a guy, you know, go find the tape. He's got another plane. I started to think, what can Strand fly a plane too now? Like suddenly everybody can fly a plane. Yeah. Yeah. They just, down, they're, they're all in the matrix. They just downloaded the, the plane flying app into their brains. <laughs> yeah. Maybe they have, and now suddenly they're all pilots. So it's it just feels like kind of a, a like you said, a cheap sort of injection into this character because they wanted to do a plane scene. Right. Okay, so let, let, let's, let me ask you this. I'm going to ask you a couple of a series of questions here. Okay. Uh, how many characters do we have on Fear the Walking Dead uh, right now? Ten? Well, I mean, I'm not going to count them through right now, but let's say eight or, eight or ten, yeah. Okay. So, and you know, these are the, basically the group of people that each of them know. They know, each know about 10 people at this point. In the zombie apocalypse, this is how many people they know. Two people that they know are pilots, let's assume, because Strand can fly. Uh, so two people are pilots. Let me ask you, Chris, you know more than 10 people. How many people do you know are pilots? I think only one. You know one? I do know one. A brother of a good friend of mine is a pilot. Okay. Not, well, not, really a, good. not a professional, I mean, not a commercial no. pilot, but he knows he owns a plane and he can fly it. Okay. So I know one guy as well. One guy I used to work with uh-huh. years ago, uh-huh. he was given flight lessons as a birthday gift and he did that and he got his, uh, whatever the lowest level license is. Uh, so yeah, so you, you know, one, I know one, but that's because we know a hundred people each. Uh, These are people I worked with. So, you know, I tend to work with a lot of people over the years. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, oh, yeah. Okay. So, you know a pilot. I know a pilot. Could you track this pilot down? If I, well, in the zombie apocalypse? No. No, no. Right now. Could you find his email address? Yes. Okay. I don't think I could. Yeah. Fair. Um, I, now, I don't, I I actually don't think Strand can fly the plane. Uh, uh-huh. you know, maybe we'll find out next week. So they only know one, but it's still one in 10, um, which if there was anything leading up to it, I would be totally fine with it. If Al at some point had said, you know, I learned to fly because I was stationed overseas as a journalist and I thought it would be helpful training to have or something like that, you know, seed that in, but they don't because this show fear the walking dead flies by the seat of its pants. Right. Yeah. 
Pun to, not intended. <laughs> pun not intended, right? They they add shit and make stuff up that they think will suit their the story they want to tell, or not even that, just kind of suit a, a an action set piece they want to do. They want to do a fiery plane crash and then a zombie battle after. So yeah, we need someone to fly also, the plane. They happened to crash like within walking distance of where they were going. No, no. They said it was 10 to 15 or something miles away, which is why they had to take that van. Right. Okay, they well they that, weren't that close. Uh, okay. So they, they, that, that's fine. Like obviously if they, if you're going to take a plane, uh, the distance that you're traveling is probably pretty large. Like it's got to be uh, a huge incentive to take a plane right. to go someplace rather than uh, driving a vehicle where if it breaks down, you find another one, you get out, you, you pull over, you get out, mm-hmm. you walk, you find another one, you drive that for a while. Planes, not so much. If it happens to break down, you crash and you all die. <laughs> right. None of them did. Uh, no. But they crashed in the woods and none of them died. Small planes to go down in the woods, everybody dies. I don't know if you know that. I mean, that's, it's- That's the rule. It's pretty common. Uh, it's, yeah, I, I agree. I think it was sort of ridiculous that- uh, nobody died in the crash. Sure, uh, Luciana was impaled by the thing, but to be honest, by the end of the episode, she was all bandaged up and up and oh, fine. Yeah, they, <laughs> we're going to talk about that, right? Go ahead. Are we talking about it now? Sure. Uh, okay. So beyond the fact that she was impaled by uh, a one-inch pipe that was in her uh, in her uh, in her shoulder, right? It would you know missed all the major arteries and stuff. You get shot there. It could be a survivable wound as long as you don't get hit in the lungs and it just kind of misses everything. That's fine. But this one inch pipe sticking out of her chest. And then June says, uh, okay, so I'm going to pull this out. And if it starts to bleed, we have to be ready. Mm-hmm. What do you mean if? There's a one inch pipe in her chest. You pull that out. It's going to bleed. Right. Like there's going to be a lot of blood. And then uh, the biggest, <laughs> I yelled at the TV. I actually yelled at the TV. She said, on three. One, two, Three. Yeah, I and know. I timed that right. Seven and a half seconds. It, <laughs> she got to seven and a half before she said the word three. It was so jarring and ridiculous. I know. That I, I yelled at the screen. No, I noticed it too, uh, that her counting, I mean, the point of counting is to establish a rhythm so you all do something at the same time. Yeah. And when you don't have that rhythm, there's no point. No, there really isn't. But, so, I, but I agree. Seven seconds. It was like five seconds between two and three. It was, <laughs> or five, five count. Like, I don't know if it was seconds, but the timing of it was a five count in that space. It was, and then the next shot, like they, well, as soon as they, she said three, uh, it, they cut away to another storyline, right? So you, you build the drama, you cut away to something else, you build the drama. And then when they come back, she's sitting up. Mm-hmm. Like, She's sitting up, she's bandaged up. She's fine. Everything's fine. I know. You know, one inch pipe stuck in her chest. They pulled it out. There's probably a lot of blood. Uh, yeah, she's fine. Yeah. When in reality, she'd be dead. Like, well, yeah, she'd be dead or at least unconscious. And then they would have to wait like six months to see if she's going to survive. Right. Well, I was, look, I'm not asking for, you know, absolute realism here. You know, I just, I just don't want them to treat things like that so sort of frivolously it's like you get impaled with a pipe you're in serious condition and if you just crash in a plane and there's zombies everywhere 
you're not going to get the attention you need immediately. And even if you do, you end up in a van driving however many miles somewhere else, transported into the van, out of the van, all with the pipe still in you, yet everything's kind of fine because you have a nurse who knows what she's doing. I guess that helps, but it just seems so far-fetched. And like I said, I don't expect perfect realism, but they just need to take these things more seriously. And if they're going to injure a character like that, you know, go all the way with it. I think I figured they were killing off the character. Well, like, she, I thought they were, I thought they were going to kill her. Like that was, that was the whole point of this was that she was going to die. I, I think so. I think they probably should have. I mean, she hasn't really had a, an important role in the show in a while. And, you know, they like to kill people off early on in seasons, I think sort of for shock value, but also as a way to reset things a little bit, you know, if you're going to tell a season or if you're going to tell a story this season that goes one way, maybe Luciana's just not part of that. And so kill her off. Right. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. It, it, that bothered me too. But let, but if we go back to the, the opening, um, we have this plane crash. It's kind of crazy. It's a fiery wreck. Like there's debris all over the place. And we end up in this, um, in this, scene where it's a lot of zombie killing mostly alicia and morgan doing the zombie killing yep and i gotta say i did enjoy some of that i thought it was sort of fun to watch and i must admit i'm a real sucker for a good hero shot and there are two that i thought in this uh opening um plane crash battle right which incidentally went on for pretty long like it was it was an extended scene right of trying to rescue people from inside the plane and get everybody together and have Alicia and uh, Morgan swinging plane parts at zombies and stuff like that. I thought that was kind of entertaining, but the two hero shots I liked are right at the beginning when Alicia emerges from the smoke. <laughs> I mean, come <laughs> right. on. It's a little goofy. It was a little, it was pretty cheesy. It was, it was, it was a bit much for me. I, I can understand that, but. I enjoyed it. It was, it was, you her know, first... if Steven Seagal came out of that smoke, I could understand. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure I'd like that as much. Well, no, but that's the kind of thing that Steven Seagal would do in a movie that Steven Seagal is in charge of. Uh, yeah, you're probably right. But I like Alicia. It's her first shot of the season. And, you know, the kid, these two kids, Max and Dylan, that are introduced right at the beginning, beginning here are about to get killed. And she emerges from the smoke and saves them. I, I, like I said, I'm just a sucker for that sort of thing. I think it yeah. was fun and it worked pretty well. And then she said, get inside. And my first question was, get inside what? Oh, did she? Did she say, yeah. she must've meant she the said, fuselage of the plane. I assume she meant the plane. Yeah. But I, you know, it's a plane crash. There's probably not a lot of plane left. So get inside. I'd be like, get inside what? You emerged from smoke. Do I get inside <laughs> the smoke? <laughs> you just peered out of nowhere. What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> Yeah, I didn't even pick up on that, but she meant the plane because they go into the plane. Well, yeah, they they figure it out. Right. I didn't figure it out. Okay. They figured it out. <laughs> if that was you, you'd be standing around going, "What the what the hell are you talking about, crazy smoke <laughs> what, lady?" You didn't <laughs> what? Yeah. The second hero shot that I liked is later on, uh, right before Max and Dylan's sister Annie shows up in the van. The whole group is now sort of out of the plane. And they're assembled in kind of a formation to keep biting the walkers. And, and again, we've seen shots like that before on both yeah. shows, but it's another one of those things that I like. So 
I enjoyed seeing that. Wasn't that the poster? Wasn't there a poster? It's the, uh, I think it was the, the cover picture of, uh, the iTunes Fear the Walking Dead album or season. Well, uh, yeah, I don't think, is it that particular shot? It's something similar to that, but it was a very, uh, you know, poster type shot. Mm -hmm. No, it was for sure. But I like that sort of thing. I don't mind it. You know, I guess if they did it all the time, it would probably, I'd become numb to it. But for now, hero shots good and keep doing them now and then. All right. Uh, anything else about this kind of opening battle? I, I thought the, the bit where, um, uh, June is still unconscious and the zombie hand reaches up and starts grabbing her face was, uh, kind of creepy. It is kind of creepy, but do you think he, you, you know, do you think the zombie would grab her hair? He should have grabbed her hair because he would have had a great handhold on her if he had just, you know, closed his fist on her hair. Right. Can we assume that zombies just aren't smart enough to do that? And maybe he hadn't no. quite got there yet. No, he's trying to grab her. He would grab her hair. Okay, well, you're probably right, but I just thought it was creepy that he, he reached up and started stroking her face. Like, that was... Yeah, yeah, maybe that that was it. Maybe uh, in a previous life, he just wanted to, uh, I, I don't know, pet people. Just, <laughs> he just really enjoyed petting people, so that that's what he was doing. A little bit weird, but maybe he was, yeah. A little yeah. bit weird. You know, yeah. people are into all kinds of things. That's no. pretty tame in the, you know, in the spectrum of things that are people are into. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're right, I suppose. <laughs> um, but in this context, I found it definitely a little unsettling. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, otherwise I just, you know, every, everybody's there. We got Morgan, Alicia, Al, John Dory, who we haven't mentioned yet. Um, I thought he wasn't used very much in this episode, but not, I guess that's not really a bad thing. He did have, he was involved in my favorite scene of the episode we later get, on. The only scene where people actually talk to each other? That one you mean? Yeah, actually you're <laughs> you're you're kind of right. Um we're of course talking about the scene later on where him and June uh are in the truck stop with everybody and I guess it's late, people are resting and they have a conversation about um just about the situation they're in and he says something that uh I thought was really sort of I don't know, poignant in a way. He, he says, or he speculates that they got all the luck in the world and it's the only reason that they've survived. And it means that they have to share that good fortune with everybody else. Yeah. And I thought, you know, I, I guess I can see how some people would find this sort of cheesy, but I really liked it because I feel like it, it, it's coming from the perfect character. I feel like John Dory would believe that kind of thing. Absolutely. I thought it was, uh, I thought it was a lovely sentiment. It was, you know, it harkens to, uh, you know, the whole world has gone to shit and, uh, everything is awful and, you know, the dead have risen and are trying to kill us and people are evil and, uh, all our friends are dying and all our friends are, uh, friend, family is dead. But I thank every second of what has happened because it has brought me here to you. Well, and, and yeah. well, right. Not just to you, but like, you know, nobody else has survived this and, the ones that have have turned out to be assholes or are missing or are dead now, but we're still going and that's important. Yeah. And we got to try to use that to help other people any way we can. Yeah. That's uh yeah, absolutely. I think it was, uh, and from John Dory, it's perfect. Right. I think it really fits with his character and what we know about him. Here's an example where they're not making up stuff about the character. They're kind of working and pushing forward 
the sort of person he is. And I like that. They need to do more of that. Yep. Now, I kind of had that a note about that conversation under a heading here in my notes about helping people. So this is what the whole group is trying to do. So let's kind of run through that a little bit. Um, as we mentioned off the top, season four ended with the group moving into this denim factory, although they call it the mill in this episode, I guess. Is that what you call a denim factory? A mill? <laughs> Probably not. <but laughs> no. Why not? Well, sure. Why not? It kind of sounds cooler than the denim factory all the time. Well, what are, are they milling denim? I don't think so. <laughs> like a mill is completely different than, you know, something where you make fabric. Uh, no, no, I know you're right. I don't know. It's a mill lumber. You mill metal. Well, you make something and you carve away other pieces of it and it mill it. Yeah, that's right. That's not what you do with denim. Unless denim grows on a tree and you're milling, you know, you're carving the sheets of denim off of the tree, much like they do cork. I'm going <laughs> to, uh, plywood. I'm going to go plant a denim tree in the backyard and grow That's jeans. That's a great idea. <laughs> they did that at the BBC one time for, uh, April Fool's. They, uh, they showed, uh, women picking, uh, spaghetti off of trees and, uh, talking about the spaghetti trees. You pick the spaghetti, the, the fresh spaghetti off the tree and then you dry it in straight lines and then you package it. And, uh, they didn't put a disclaimer at the beginning or end that this was a joke and people for a long time believed that the spaghetti grew on trees. Well, people will believe anything, Jason. Uh, if it's on TV, yeah. Especially if it's on TV, you know. Yeah, now it's changed now. Now we don't believe what's on TV. We just believe what's on the internet. If it's on the internet, it's been fact-checked, right? Of course it has. It must be. Yeah, that's what I assume. Everything we say on this podcast, rigorously yeah. fact-checked. Yeah, real life, uh, you know, uh, real time, I'm fact-checking everything you say and vice versa. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> Uh, so anyways, um, their mission here is to help people. What they want to do is find people, help them, bring them into this community. And since we're a couple of months into this plan, I guess, what we yeah. learned in this episode is that A, everybody seems to be on board. Like this is what they are doing now. Alicia, John Dory, June, Al, everybody's on board with Morgan's plan of helping people. Uh-huh. Uh, which I was a little surprised to see out of the gate. I figured we'd get a little bit more um, of Morgan kind of pushing his helping agenda. And maybe some people were on board, but others would be like, why can't we just take care of ourselves? What do we need other people for? But that's not the case. Well, that's, it's good. Maybe they, you know, maybe denim brings people together. You know, <laughs> when you're just, you're surrounded by denim dust that uh, it really gives you that euphoric feeling of community. I, I guess so, because they were all working together. Now, of course, everything seems to immediately start to fall apart. Well, let me ask you this. It's been months since they moved into the denim factor and factory and decided on this yeah. approach. Uh, where's the new people? Have they not met anybody yet? Well, they address that in the episode. There are no new people. They Everyone they've come across has either not worked out or is dead or, you know, they, I think they, they also said there are missing. So I don't know how they knew they were there to begin with, but, um, I think they just haven't been able to find anyone to help or the ones that they've tried to have ended up dead. <laughs> which, they're shitty at it then, I guess. Doesn't seem like much. Which is help. why they're so e eager to get into a plane. It's like, oh, we got somebody. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's take this plane I found lying around and, uh, we'll carve a, we'll carve a, a, a plane, a strip out of the jungle 
and mm-hmm. uh, take off. Yeah, well. Because that's what cowboys do. That is what cowboys do, right. But the whole plan, you know, it's it's questioned a little bit in the van ride with the kids, um, Logan and Max and Annie. You know, those kids are questioning them about this plan and Morgan's trying to justify it. And, you know, he reveals that they're trying to help this guy, uh, Logan. Sorry, Logan is the guy. The kids are Dylan, Dylan and Max. So they're talking to them. Morgan reveals that they're trying to help this guy, Logan. They've never met Logan. They've only talked to him on the radio. Uh, They don't really know very much about this guy, yet they're trying to help him anyways. And the, and the reason they were in the plane at all is because of him. Right. And, you know, Annie, I think rightfully so is like, what are you doing? You, you, you know, this world is dangerous and you're going out of your way, flying airplanes to help a guy you've never met. And that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. They're a bunch of dumbasses, Right. Um, and, and I would agree with that. I think, I think it does seem a little bit crazy after everything they've been through and what they know about the way people are, you know, we just finished the storyline with, um, uh, what was her name? The, the woman on the side of the road whose husband died, she went crazy and she was always covered in mud. What'd we call her again? Damn it. Dirty Michonne. (laughs) Oh, I think we did. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I don't like that term though. It's the only one I remember. So yeah, that that's it sadly. Right. But like she's out there trying to stir up shit and uh make people strong remember all that and and here they are like just sort of flying on a wing and a prayer trying to help a guy they've they've never met yeah and of course that all goes to shit too so um ultimately you know what happens is logan has tricked them and he says you go there leave the denim factory to come and help us meanwhile we're not actually in any trouble at all. We're going to move back into the denim factory because I owned it pre-apocalypse um, and it's mine rightfully. So I want it back. Yeah. yeah. And as soon as uh, actually that actor, what was his name? Matt Frewer. Yeah. As soon as I saw the back of his head, I'm like, oh my God, it's Max Headroom. That's so funny. I knew who it was as soon as I saw the back of his head. That's funny. He does have a very distinctive head. And Matt Frewer from Vancouver, British Columbia, who became famous years ago as Max Headroom, Uh uh, but has, I think, acted consistently since then. Oh, yeah. No, he's great. He's been in like a whole bunch of stuff. He's the second actor from um, the Watchmen movie to show up in uh, the Walking Dead series. The first one was Jeffrey Dean Morgan, Uh who played uh, the comedian, and he was the the bad guy that uh, Rorschach beats up. in, uh, in, in Watchmen. He was the guy who had cancer that, uh, right. Uh, yeah. So Rorschach beats up. So he's, he, you know, he's a small, small role in there, but I, you know, he's so distinctive. He's just like, oh yeah, it's Max Headroom. Everything you see, it's like, oh yeah, it's Max Headroom. That's so funny. I was watching the episode sitting here and, uh, I knew I was watching it through the second time. So I knew he was in it. And, you know, my wife comes into the room and I said, Hey, stand here for a second. See if you can tell me who this actor is. And it was during the scene where he's walked into the mill or the denim factory and he's walking yep. around and it's a lot of far away shots. We don't really get a close up shot of him. And then there's some, some, some sort of blurry shots where he comes through a door just before he looks at some of Al's tapes Yep. and she's standing beside me 
and he walks into that blurry shot and he's really blurry in the background. And she goes, oh, it's uh, it's um, Max Headroom or his. She said, <laughs> yeah. what's his real name? Matt Frewer. He's like, that's who it is. I'm like, what? The? You haven't even had a shot of him yet. And he's like blurred in the background and you can tell. So, yeah, I got it from the back of his head. <laughs> Pretty funny. Anyways, <laughs> distinctive head, that guy. Yeah, I like him. I, I haven't seen anything I haven't liked him in. Yeah, I guess so. I don't think I've seen him in too much, but I feel Two like... things here and there. He was in uh, Star Trek The Next Generation for an episode, but you never watched that. No, no, I didn't. Yeah. Um, okay, so what are, what are your thoughts on Logan, Jason, and his plan, and sort of how it played out in this episode, and then where you think it's going from here with that character? Well... I mean, it's a it's a pretty big gam- gamble to get everybody to leave, but it seemed to work. And he knew the combination to the padlock on the uh, on the gate, so he did. Apparently, that is an unchangeable combination number, so he remembered it. Uh, what do I think about it? I think it was you know it it's the kind of thing that uh, is just bold enough to work once. Mm-hmm. So you know, good for him. He's got a bunch of guys with guns and uh, now they've taken over the plant and uh, taken back the plant and put everything that uh, wasn't theirs uh, on the front step so that uh, when they showed up, they could take it back. Like all the, the tapes and stuff like, yeah. and all the, you know, bunch of junk. Here's, here's your crap. You don't live here anymore. Yeah. He, evi- he evicted them basically. Yeah. And you know, I, I. It's perfectly I, reasonable. He just wanted back what was his in the first place. It's like, this shit's mine. You know, all this shit you brought, you can have that, but this is mine. I'm keeping it. Well, I mean, part of me respects him a little bit for that, right? He said, even, I didn't want a big confrontation. I just wanted to get back what was mine and you guys are living here. Yeah. You know, there's probably friendlier ways to do this uh, than like trick them out of there and then put all their stuff outside the gate. But he wanted his factory back. Yeah, and he did a reverse Trojan horse. He didn't, well, yeah, he didn't want to kill anyone or have to fight. So right. he came up with an alternate plan and it worked. So good for him, I guess. Yeah, I don't see why not. Well. I, you know, I have to respect him on one level. Like, obviously he's going to be the bad guy of the, uh, of the season or at least the half season. They're going to go back and get back what was his. They're just going to take it from him now. Like, doesn't it make them the bad guy? Well, that's a really good question. Do you think he is going, I mean, I think he's going to be sort of the villain for this yeah. season or, or at least the first half of this season. But is that, I'm, I'm not so sure I'm really looking forward to that. I mean, I guess if he's an antagonist, that's great. You sort of need that in the show. But is the whole half season going to be about them trying to like get back into the factory and get at him? Because I don't feel like that's going to make for compelling TV by itself. No, just take your shit and move on. And go, and don't fly in planes anymore. You know, you learn your lesson. Don't do stupid things. Yeah. You've got all your shit back. What's what's the problem? It's a big goddamn planet that has been completely depopulated of human beings. And now just mainly has zombies, but they're everywhere anyway. So go find a... You know, go find a velour factory. Like, how hard is that? <laughs> yeah. Denim. If there's a material sexier than denim, it's velour. 
Yeah. Or maybe, you know, they probably still have factories that make shag carpeting. I don't know where they are. I don't know who's buying this stuff, but uh, it's got to be somewhere, right? It probably does. If it you're that exists. into textiles, there's probably textile factories dotted throughout the country that you could go and move into and leave Max Headroom by himself. Uh, yeah. Leave him alone. Just move on. Anyways. Yeah, I, this is not a conflict in my mind. Sure. <laughs> this is a shitty situation that, that, that they can move on from. Yeah. Well, you're right. And that you're right. And, but I think they're going to make it into a conflict. Um, and I'm fine with him being a villain or an antagonist or a bad guy, whatever you want to call him. Those are all kind of the same thing, but I don't want it to be them fretting and trying to just take back this place. Um, it's gotta be more interesting than that. And I expect it to be, to be honest. I mean, I don't think the writers of this show would write eight episodes about our group of characters trying to get back into a denim factory. That, that is, that is a, a ridiculous oversimplification, I think, of what's going to happen. Um, so, you know, I'm not too worried. I just think. I knew, I knew this came, this was something that uh, was ringing a bell in the last five minutes. And I was thinking, uh, you know what? I did the same thing to, to my son this evening. He was, uh, he was basically barricaded himself into a corner and I didn't want him in that corner anymore. So I lured him out with toys and he came out and I blocked off the corner so he couldn't go back in. And then we moved on. Right. Like I did right. exactly the same thing. I tricked him. He came out. It was, you know, it wasn't done out of malice. He didn't resent it afterwards. He just mentally moved on because he had the toys I lured him out with. So, uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> we, I did the same thing. So not so bad. Does that make, that make me a bad guy? It makes you the villain in your own family. Yeah, I'm, I'm the villain. I'm the, I'm the daddy villain. Maybe you are. You should, <laughs> All right. you should get him to start calling you that villain. Sure. <laughs> I want him to call me Pa, but uh, Jenny doesn't like that. No? <laughs> well, you know, it's not up to her. Just start using it. They'll catch on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tell him yeah. mommy thinks it's really funny, and the more you say that, the more she'll love it. Yeah. Well, then I'll get in trouble, but I won't just get into trouble while he's around. I'll get into trouble afterwards, and that's worse. <laughs> All the time. <laughs> all right. Um. All right. So this whole plot line about helping people, I think, uh, may not last too long because it hasn't been successful, but I do think that they introduced the kids, Dylan and Max to kind of drive it home a little bit. And my first thought was, oh, okay. So they're trying to help this Logan guy, but that didn't work out because he double crossed them. So we have Dylan and Max and Annie so they're giving us some characters to show that they could help some characters, right? And they're going to help these right. kids and the kids are going to join the group and they'll all live happily, you know, together. But that doesn't happen either. The kids end up rejecting them and fleeing into the night while uh, while they're saving Lucy from her impaled shoulder. So I don't think those characters really even worked at all in the episode either. And I'm honestly not even sure why they were there. Um, they were there for, oh, who are these now? And that was pretty much it. Well, I, I don't know if they're going to stick around or not, but it was just basically, uh, oh shit, what's going on here? It was a way of introducing our, uh, hero protagonists in a dramatic way. Cause if they, you know, if you filmed it from within the plane, it, you know, it'd just be a situation where they were in a plane and the plane was going down. Mm -hmm. But how much of a surprise and awesome scene is it when we have unknown characters that are doing unknown things and all of a sudden they're saved by a plane crash? 
and the plane crash emits a bunch of smoke. And out of that smoke, Alicia shows up to yeah. save the day. Yeah. Like they were there for a uh, dramatic effect and awesome adventure uh, scene. Um, yes, I think so. I was hoping they were there to do something else, but I'm not sure they were, at least not in this episode. I, th- I, I, I believe those kids are going to be in the rest of the season or at least in the next few episodes. And I think we're going to be introduced to more characters that, uh, they've been traveling and or living with. So right. we haven't seen the last of them is, is what I'm trying to say. So maybe they will end up being an important part of the show or their purpose will become clear or a little bit more clear as we go on. Uh, but I think in this episode, they didn't really serve the purpose that it appeared they were supposed to be there for. So uh, we'll just have to hope that they, you know, they serve some purpose moving forward. But for now, I don't think they worked very well. Um, one other thing I wanted to say, though, about, uh, you know, about all of this is... John Dory's conversation with June, which we talked about, I think that one did, that one went a long way to explain to me why everyone was on board with this helping people plan. Uh, and, and like I said, coming from John Dory, it felt really genuine and, and realistic. And yeah, he's, he's feeling like, you know, they're lucky to have survived. So they need to try to pass that luck around. Um, so I think that helped explain where they were going and why the characters were doing this and, and trying to help people, even though it wasn't going so well. And then, you know, shortly after that in the episode, we have a conversation between Morgan and Alicia outside the truck stop. And this one just felt ridiculously repetitive to me. He was, Morgan was talking about things like, you know, he's not done yet with whatever this plan he has that you just have to keep trying. He references the things that I have done and it, you know, doing this should be hard because we've all done terrible things and we're paying for that. And I'm sorry, Jason, I couldn't help but think we've heard this all before. We've heard this many times before. And these kind of conversations, especially from Morgan, sadly, especially from Morgan, I think are becoming what I feel like is filler. I mean, we, how many times do we have to hear Morgan talk about, I've done terrible things and I'm trying to make up for it. And that's why this is hard. It's, it's a valid, relevant point, but we've heard it before. So either stop telling us and start showing us or just do something else. And I thought it contrasted with John, John and June's conversation because that was kind of a new take on the same idea, whereas Morgan and Alicia are just regurgitating the same stuff. Yeah, it was even redundant in this one episode alone. It was. We've heard it, we, you know, the, the shit we haven't heard before uh, that you've said, we've heard before from what uh, John Dory and June said. So, you know, the only reason to have this conversation is because, well, we need the main characters to have a conversation. We're paying them a lot of money. They better talk. <laughs> yeah, that's, I'm sure that's part of it. You know, we is need them cynical? to be on screen. That's cynical, right? It is cynical, yes. Yeah. But, you know. Also might be true. Also might be true. <laughs> uh, I want to read an email here from Cindy in Columbus, Ohio. Cindy says, I'm mad that Lenny James is being wasted on this show. And 
I hope that he'll be back on the main show again and soon. Oh, and I don't think you're going to have to worry about how you're going to find time to podcast for three shows, because I think this is it for fear. I'll drink pickle juice <laughs> if it gets renewed. <laughs> pickle juice is good. Don't knock the pickle juice. I was surprised. Yeah, just don't drink too much all at once. Uh, yeah. But Cindy is basically saying this was brutal and this show is on its last legs, probably won't be renewed for season six. I'm not. It is. It's. Uh, I'm. I'm kind of thinking the same thing because we've had a lot of uh, changes over the years, right? The the cast is almost completely new. We only have two characters from the first season. I mean, the other shows like that as well, but it's had. Anyway, I don't know, but there's been a lot of changes: character changes, location changes, uh, outlook changes, uh, what they want to accomplish changes. Uh, all of a sudden, they all know how to fly planes. Changes. Uh, stuff. So there's been a lot of turnover and that kind of thing can be the kiss of death for a television show. When you start introducing, like typically when you introduce a new character, uh, to spice things up like scrappy do, or, you know, those kind of things, it, it kills a series, but this show has gone through a lot of churn over the last couple of years. So that's, uh, that's concerning. And this, ep- this whole episode, to me, felt like a, a shitty made-for-TV horror movie. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, oh, I know it's made-for-TV, and I know it's supposed to be horror, but it just, it's, because it, I didn't know what was going on at the beginning. It was like, all of a sudden, there's a plane crash, and there's some kids shooting deer in the woods that they don't get to actually eat, and then there's zombies showing up. It's just like, it seemed like a whole different thing than I've seen before. Uh, so it felt like I was watching a brand-new, shitty made for TV horror movie. Well, like until you, it actually got compelling right near the end. Okay. Well, and Max Headroom's in it. Like you said, it's, you know, it, it it's definitely made for TV. So that's okay. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely supposed to be at least part horror. Um, so that's okay. But being yeah. shitty is not okay. And well, yeah, I don't think this episode was the worst we've seen from fear because the, last half of season four was mostly bad. Uh, There were things to like in this episode. Uh, There were a lot of things that I don't think worked very well. I'm disappointed that the show didn't come back strong. Uh, But of course, I'm going to watch more and, and, you know, maybe it will redeem itself as we move on through season five. But I wanted it to come back and impress me. And so far, I don't really think I'm there yet. Well, I know I'm not. Yeah, it, it, to me, it, this was not a step up from the end of last season. Uh, n- no, if it was a step up, it was a very small one. So, you know, yeah. I, I would agree with that, that it's not really going in the right direction. The only real step up for me was the fact that uh, Matt Frewer is in this. Sure. Well, it, you know, because I like him. Uh, so that's a good thing. Well, that, that is a good thing. If you like him, hopefully he doesn't, <laughs> hopefully he's not wasted and, uh, is, yeah, if they is, kill him the next episode, I'm, I'm, I'm going to flip the table over, <laughs> but you're still watching cause we got a podcast. So <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to rage quit the whole show. I'm just going to flip the table over, which contains a, a lot of electronic equipment and it's <laughs> probably pretty heavy. So and you need, it might not work, but I'm going to give it a shot. You need a lot of that stuff to podcast. So, uh. Just clear everything off safely, then flip the table over and then pick it back up and put everything back on. I'll tell you what, I'll go grab the uh, the folding table from the garage. 
I'll set it up in the backyard and flip that over. Make sure you film it, though. That'd be a super <laughs> fun. All right. I want to take a quick break, Jason. But when we come back, uh, we've got a few more things to talk about in this episode, including a lot of stuff that it's maybe setting up for the rest of the season. So don't go anywhere. We've got more to come. Stay with us. Started out down a dirty road. Started out all alone, and the sun went down as across the hill, and the town lit up. The world gets still I'm learning to fly But I ain't got wings Coming down Is the hardest thing Hey everyone, just wanted to jump in here real quick to talk about how you can help support Talking Dead Podcast. Uh, you can visit us on patreon at patreon.com slash the talking dead where you can make a small monthly pledge that will end up uh, coming right to us every month it's a great way to help support the show that costs you you know very little less than the cup of a cup of coffee like a month um, but you are of course welcome to spend as much as you want over there it is a fantastic way to to help out that's patreon.com slash the talking dead and I just want to throw a big thank you out to everyone who has become a new patron uh, patron recently there's been a slight uptick in that it's wonderful to have you all on board so thank you so much for that if a sort of subscription monthly thing isn't your cup of tea that's okay too you can also just make a one-time donation via PayPal to us, which is uh, a great way to help. Visit TalkingDeadPodcast.com slash PayPal, and that will get you to the right place to uh, just fire a little bit of cash our way. And of course, all the donations and all the support you send in goes to helping us pay for you know the cost of hosting and equipment and... Uh, all the other costs that go into making a podcast. And uh, as I said, it's all very, very much appreciated. So that's patreon.com slash the talking dead or talkingdeadpodcast.com slash PayPal to help us out. And once again, we thank everyone so much for your support. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Thank you for listening and tuning in. Now, Jason, I want to talk about some of the stuff in this episode that seemed a little uh, mysterious and or kind of setting up things for the rest of this season and possibly beyond. 
um, because I think there's some interesting things going on here that uh, weren't quite explained very well in this episode. Sure. Yeah. The first one is during the uh, during the airplane battle at the beginning. At one point, Alicia falls down onto a broken down fence right on top of a hazardous material sign. Uh-huh. And so we don't really know what that's all about, but later on, as they're driving in the van with the kids, Annie mentions that they quote, don't know where they landed. And when Alicia asks about it, Annie says that she doesn't know what happened here. Um, and she says that this place is worse than it seems, but leaves it at that. Uh, so what do you, what do you think that means? Like, is there some sort of hazardous waste material around this area? Is there more to it than that? Um, is it, is it something that we're going to find out more about? I figure it has to be. Well, it's going to be, it's definitely something we're going to find more out about. It's, uh, probably the, uh, the site of the, uh, the source of the break of the zombie out, out, outbreak. <laughs> this is, this is it. This is the, uh, the source location. This is it, eh? This is, they're going to explain exactly what happened, why the zombies started, where they came from, and uh, finally, we'll get the answer to that question we've been asking for 10 years. Yep. Which actually, we haven't been. (laughs) No, we haven't, because I'd never want to know. No, and and Kirkman has always said that he's never going to to go back and reveal that, so. He's not in charge anymore, though. Well, very true, actually. He's not in charge. Uh, I don't think that's it. Um, I think it's something that they're setting up for, you know, whatever this season, and we will find out more about it. It kind of bothered me a little bit how the lengths they went uh, to obscure this fact. You know, they're sitting in a car talking about it. Annie obviously knows something, but doesn't say it. Yeah, it's one of those, it's one of those cutaway. As soon as you, you know, ask a question that is poignant and on the nose, and uh, you just cut away before you can answer. And I've tried that in arguments. It does not work. Nope. Doesn't work. You can't just turn your back and walk away. <laughs> yeah. You can't just say, uh, you know, fade to black and then leave. <laughs> no, it doesn't work. doesn't work in real life. And no, it's a, it's more of a, a button pushing uh, thing rather than a argument diffusing thing. Yeah. And it, it bothers me on TV shows too. And it bothered me here. Uh, you know, yeah. why not just say what it is, uh, or, or give us something to speculate on, but something, something concrete that we can have. Anyways, it's kind of a tease, I think, and it's going to show up later on, probably soon in the series. Uh, the next one I have on the list here is that zombie roadblock as they're driving. Remember the zombies are tied across the road. There's heads hanging yep. from the trees, uh, they all get out of the van and kind of agree that nobody knows who did that. So are we, A, supposed to assume that Logan put that stuff there to slow them down, to give him more time to to no. take back the denim factory? Or is it something Logan else? Logan was nowhere near here. What he said was he just picked a service location that was very far away from here. Yeah. So he's not anywhere near this and it never has been probably, or right. hasn't been recently. He just was, you know, hiding around the corner uh, from the denim factory mm-hmm. and then radiated in saying, I'm at this very far location. You should come and help me. Right. So, so he no, has, he doesn't know anything about this. He's got nothing to do with this. So it's related to something else, possibly related to whatever is going on in this location that they landed in. I don't know. 
I got yeah, I got nothing. So I I, I think that's a little bit curious because they did stick around and talk about it for longer than I expected. You know, Annie didn't want to drive through it and they almost considered like not proceeding, which I thought was weird because it didn't seem like it was that much of a problem. And when they did decide to keep going, you know, Alicia just walked up and started stabbing zombies in the head. So mm-hmm. it didn't yep. seem like that big a deal. But again, it's interesting. We'll have to find out where that is or what that is all about. Um, Then we've got Strand and Al and the airplane. Uh, At one point, Al says that she wasn't supposed to be flying it alone. And later on, when we see Strand in the trucks um, with the other folks, he says something about how he was supposed to be on that plane, but wasn't. And so I'm like, are they hinting at something between the two of them? Like, is there some tension there? Why was Strand supposed to be on that plane, but he wasn't? You know, they're very concerned that she was flying it by herself. This kind of reinforced the the idea to me that maybe Strand knows how to fly too, but I'm not so sure. Um, You know, so he's the only one who knows how to fly. Yeah, maybe. And And then he was teaching, uh, he was teaching her how to fly and uh, it didn't go so well, which is why it explains the tape on the, on the uh, instrument panel saying, ignore this or this is important. Oh, that kind of stuff. That's true. Actually, maybe Strand is the pilot. I mean, I guess if there's one character I could believe that has some flying experience, maybe it's Strand. He had a big boat. He had a big he boat. To drive the boat. Right. Maybe and he knew how to fly a plane. And he had a relationship with that, uh, that guy, that rich, yeah, the rich guy. guy who maybe maybe... the rich guy had a plane. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. So maybe that's it. Maybe Strand is the pilot which for some reason doesn't bother me as much, but, but again, because he has a history that leads you to believe that he could have some experience. Yeah. Whereas, you know, Al, I don't feel like does. Um, but anyways, or, you know, maybe it's just strand being strand. He's been weird for a while now. Um, and I don't know. So anyways, it piqued my interest a little bit about what was going on there. And then I guess the last one really is, the big one, and that is what is the deal with the armored zombie that uh, Al can't or has trouble killing and then eventually pushes onto a piece of rebar sticking up. Uh, and then, of course, at the very end, when she goes back to get the story about this zombie, which I'm sorry, I'm still kind of over her filming everything and getting the story, but she goes back to do that and she gets tasered by presumably a human <laughs> in yep. a similar suit of armor uh, and captured, I guess. Uh, well, tasered and she falls over. Does uh, she get picked up? We don't see that. We just see the tasering. She goes down and, and the episode ended. Um, well, yeah, I assume, I guess I have to assume captured because if he just wanted to kill her, he would have just killed her. Right, right. You know, He'd... touch her with a pointy stick and she dies. Exactly. But he didn't. He tasered her, and so she's still alive and, I guess, captured. So You think in this world that a taser would kill you? Uh, you but would think. Whatever. Maybe there's such low voltage. Maybe it's like a 9-volt battery where you just touch them with a 9-volt battery and they, dump, they fall down. Right. You don't feel anything unless you're sweating a lot and the water, you know, is there. <laughs> yeah, you have, to, you have to lick the person first and then hit them with the 9-volt battery. <laughs> yeah. That's, and then they fall down. <laughs> that's right. That's <laughs> right. Everybody's so, you know, delicate in this universe. But heal quickly. Like we've seen Luciana heal from a 1-inch pipe in her shoulder mm-hmm. in the, the matter in the span of 
you know, to be generous, an hour? It, it, yeah, it didn't take very long. No, you're absolutely okay. right. So what's the deal with these people, Jason? Any theories? Uh, no theories. Well, other than the fact that they are responsible for the zombie out- outbreak, but they're wearing these weird, like, armored blast shields uh, that you can't see anything, a la, you know, Luke Skywalker. With the blast shield down, I can't see anything. Well, reach out with your feelings, asshole, and uh, <laughs> get get it done. Yeah. Like, that. That those those things seemed a little odd, those visors. Yeah. Well, I'm going to... Uh... I thought it was a flight suit. At the beginning, I'm like, why is that guy wearing a flight suit? Like it seemed like a, a space flight suit, like they used to wear in the uh, uh, the X fifteen, where it was like a, a cooled, like or heated. You know, they had pipes throughout the suit mm-hmm. to keep you warm because the fucking cockpit wasn't heated. So they had they run warm water around the suit in order to keep you warm. Uh, that kind of thing. So it 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 seemed kind of odd. You're telling me that. Uh, who, who, uh, did you say astronauts wore these suits or like fighter well, pilots? during the, uh, you know, the, uh, the initial training, like Neil Armstrong would fly these, the X-15 or the X-10, I forget what they're called, but they would drop this plane, uh-huh. you know, like rocket plane from the bottom of a B-52 and then it would, you know, light the fucking thing and it would just go up into low earth orbit. Uh-huh. Right? So there was no oxygen. You wore, uh, you wore this suit and, it, and you know, it's pretty cold up there. I don't know if you know that, but it's pretty freaking cold up there. So right. they, I think they had a heating system that you would hook into in the plane that would run hot water through the flight suit to keep you warm so that you would not die. Interesting. They just, you put a radiator on you. It's like, yeah. you're going to fly this plane. You got to wear this radiator while you're up there. Yeah. And they're pretty much going to do that for the Mars mission as well. Right. Because it's cold out there. Uh-huh. Uh, so, you, you know, you have to keep warm rather than, you know, insulating everything. Uh, you just put on this mesh that runs hot water through and keep you warm. Yeah, interesting. Well, um, I'm I'm going to expand your mind a little bit here, Jason. All right, good. I'm I'm going with the force, like reaching out with your feelings, like uh, Obi Wan said to Luke, uh-huh. with the blast shield down. Like, why why would you have that? I did never understood that blast shield. Is what you're about to tell me? Will that explain the blast shield in that helmet in Star Wars? Uh, I don't think so, but. Because that I'll, blast shield doesn't make any sense. Like, why would you put down something over your eyes that is completely opaque so that you don't get blasted in the face? So, no. So you're forced to use the force instead of your vision and-, and Why use... call it a blast shield? Why not call it a force shield? Oh, so your <laughs> your your problem is the name. I <laughs> see. Yeah. Like, is it to protect your face from blasts? Actually, it probably uh, is. It probably is a helmet to detect your to protect your face. This is a tangent. We don't need to go on, but it's probably, they're using it for a purpose that it's not designed for. So it's called a blast shield, but they're using it to just obscure his vision. So he's forced to use the force. Okay. Well, the blast shield does not protect your chin. Uh, You can still see your chin. So this is pretty, or your neck, you know, basically you're going to have a perfectly preserved upper face while your head is rolling on the floor. And and no mouth or neck, right? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So, sorry. Go ahead. Dan in Columbus, Ohio writes, I'm sure other people will write in about the quote unquote logo from Rick's helicopter showing up in this episode. This makes me think this was the last season of Fear. Here's somebody else who thinks so. Then at the end, uh, a few characters from Fear will be captured and will be in the Rick movies. Fear and the first Rick movie are probably about right on the same timeline for this to work. If this theory is correct, what three characters 
would you want in the Rick movies? And I do want to answer that question, but uh, let's talk about the logo first, Jason. Yeah. So Al finds yeah. Al finds some documents on this guy wearing the armor that she killed, uh-huh. and they include that like three circle symbol. It's kind of uh-huh. like a half Olympic rings symbol. And that's the same well, symbol that was on Rick's fifths. helicopter. Well, okay. <laughs> that's why I said like. It's like Get half. your fractions right. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Um, but it's the same one. So yeah. now that symbol showed up on both shows. And that's very interesting, I think. Um, sorry, what was the name of the guy that wrote in, Matt? Dan in Columbus, Dan. Ohio. Sorry, Dan. Uh, yeah, Dan, you're right. You're absolutely right. I don't. I don't see any other way around it. Like, yes, these are flight suits. They're helicopter flight suits. This area is where Rick is. Or will be. Is or will be. Yeah. I think you could be onto something here. So. And the plane was shot down. Uh, maybe. Maybe the plane was shot down. There, there you, you go. go. <laughs> By lasers. Oh, no. Probably not lasers. <laughs> so, um. Yeah, so this three-circle symbol has appeared, and Gimple and everybody was asked about this, and he's asked, are you crossing over the show more? Is Rick going to show up on this show instead? Are you fucking with us? And Gimple was fairly forthcoming in his answer, actually. It is public knowledge and has been promoted that Dwight is going to be on Fear the Walking Dead this season. I'm not right. sure when he's being introduced, but I actually think it might be the next episode. Uh, I haven't seen any previews or anything, so I don't know, but it could be soon. And so Gimple's answer when asked if the shows have anything in common or, you know, are you crossing them over? He said Dwight is the thing that they have in common most recently. So that's kind of vague, but I think it means that Dwight is going to tie things together a little bit here as it relates to this symbol or you know this symbol of this 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 group that uses this symbol to identify themselves uh he also said that there's a little thing that turns out into kind of a big thing that connects to something outside of both shows which people will be seeing but they're two different shows two crazy different shows in a lot of ways he's talking about the walking dead and fear the walking dead so what it sounds like to me is he's they're they're seeding this symbol into both shows not so much to have whatever it means play out in either The Walking Dead or Fear the Walking Dead but to probably introduce something different and that could be I mean it could be the third show that they're working on that they've announced and maybe that will focus on this group of people a little bit more. Or it could be the Rick movies, which we know we're getting, you know, one probably this, uh, maybe not 2019, but 2020. Yeah, it's, it's, that's what this is. That's what it this absolutely, is? Absolutely. It absolutely is the Rick movies. Because Rick, It's the only explanation I can come up with. Yes, because Rick's been taken by this group, and yeah. maybe fear is taking place, like you said, closer to this group than... Uh, you know, the main show, which is in Virginia. Yeah. So I think, you know, that seems like a pretty good theory. And uh, 
they've also said recently somebody, I don't think it was Gimple, but somebody said there's going to be, you know, new information very soon about something new coming in the Walking Dead universe. And I think they're going to start releasing things about the Rick movies. So it may become clear soon that that is indeed what's happening. But for now, it just feels like members of this tri-circle group have appeared on both shows. And uh, that's kind of what's going to be tying them together, um, more so than having more characters move back and forth. So, yeah, the, the whole thing where she is in the rain and she shrink wraps her uh, camera, which I'm not sure where she got the shrink wrap from, but whatever. So she shrink wraps her camera so she can do it to go and film this guy in the rain. And then she pulls out that card and then pulls out a map of some kind. It looked like, like a map. Yeah. And then she, you know, hunkers down and starts leafing through everything. It's like, go sit in the car. You're in the <laughs> middle of a torrential downpour trying to leaf through documents. Go sit in your car. Well, she needed to be tasered, so she couldn't go sit in the car. Well, the, the the sneaky guy behind her could have snuck into the backseat of her car. That's a typical horror movie thing to do. Uh, yeah. You know, she's true. sitting in the car. She's doing this thing. She lights up a cigarello. I assume she smokes cigarellos. And then uh, the guy, you know, gets up from the backseat and tasers her. And, uh, and, yeah. Uh, fade to black. That is a thing that happens in horror movies, uh, which I guess they could have done here. But I love how... You know, we have this potentially huge um, sort of revealing moment or teaser moment about what's going on and tying everything together. And, oh, my God, it's yeah. the same people that have Rick. And you're worried about how she shrink wrapped her camera. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and how she's not sitting in the car. But you know what? Classic. It's, it's raining. Classic Jason. <laughs> yeah. And then why would you? Is it dangerous to tase somebody in the rain? I don't know anything about tasers, but that's a lot of electricity to be around a lot of water. Good it's question. Like you don't make toast in the rain. I don't know if you know that, but that's one of the things you do not do. You, you know, if it's raining outside, you don't bring your toaster outside and plug it into the outside outlet, put in a couple of slices of bread and push that plunger down. You just do not do that because it's dangerous. Jeez, I'm glad you told me. I was going to go out and make outdoor toast in the rain tomorrow morning. I thought that'd be uh, no. fun. Yeah. And if you put your toaster on the side, you can make uh, little tiny pizzas. Like you just, you put some pizza sauce and some cheese on a piece of bread and you put that in the side of the toaster. If you don't have a toaster oven, you just put your toaster on the side, but you got to do that outside because you don't want to have a toaster on the side inside the house because that's also dangerous. Huh. So if you're making, you know, pizza bread in your toaster outside, don't do it in the rain. That, that, those kind of tips are the reason people love you. <laughs> yeah. Or if you're toasting mayonnaise, because that's also another thing, right? You just put some, you know, grab a scoop spoonful of mayonnaise and you stick it in the toaster and you put the plunger down. That doesn't you, sound like you, a good idea. Don't do you've that. You've never done that? No. Nobody's <laughs> ever done that. <laughs> I hope. But the uh, side pizza thing, I'm sure somebody's done. Hey, any taser experts out there, let us know if you, if it's better or, or worse to tase someone in the rain. Or makes any difference whatsoever. Or, or, yeah, no different at all. I'm curious. Or if it helps if you put a condom over it. No, don't. I don't care about that. I don't No, because think... that's what you do with the rifle, right? You put a condom over top of the barrel of the rifle. They, you know, they did a whole bunch of research in the U.S. military to determine how to protect water from going down the barrel of a gun when you have it uh, underwater. And you, you, know, you pop up and you don't want the barrel full of, of water. Mm -hmm. And you want to be, still be able to shoot through it. 
right? Right. So you have to put something on there so that you can still shoot through it so you don't have to go through the thing of taking off whatever attachment's on there. And uh, the best answer they came up with, you put a condom on there with an elastic band around it. It's well, perfect. I mean, safety first, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, soldiers carry condoms for that reason. I'm sure they do. All right. Well, this is your, this is all kinds of new information. This, this episode. Yeah. Uh, anyways, that's, that's it. It looks like we're getting some sort of tie in with this new group to both shows. Uh, I must admit, I am very curious about that and I am pretty excited to see where it goes. And it is sort of fun to think that they are connecting the whole universe, right? At first, I was like, let's just keep Fear and The Walking Dead totally separate. There'll be different things, different stories, different characters, different locations. But now I've now that they've gone for the crossover idea, I feel like they're going whole hog on it, and I actually don't mind it. So this is sort of what the whole point of this sort of semi-crappy episode was, for me, was saved a little bit by what it implied for where we're going with this show. And if this is the last season of Fear, uh, because it kind of gets merged in or it's just not renewed, at least it served a purpose, hopefully. And yep. I am curious about that. So I didn't mind that. Okay. So that that brings it up. I didn't realize that that connection existed. I didn't put two and two together with those logos. Uh, so that... Uh, as much as I'm disappointed about the fact that the, the Rick movies exist at all, uh, this helps a little bit. Good, good. Well, there you go. See, it's nothing is ever just totally garbage, <laughs> totally bad. No, but nothing's totally awesome either. No. Everything's a little bit garbage. Everything a little bit. Yeah, that's true. As you get older, normal gets worse as time goes on, as Dave used to say. I like that. I like that phrase. <laughs> sounds good. Yeah. Uh the only other thing, Jason, I think we didn't really talk about here that I think is worth mentioning is the return of Daniel Salazar. Oh, yeah. He shows up in the tapes for some reason. So he is the character that, um, on the tape, that Al tells Strand to go find because he has another small plane. For some reason, they need another small plane, I guess, to crash. Uh, but maybe Daniel Salazar is a pilot as well, and he can pilot that thing like nobody's business and he won't crash. Um, how do you feel about Daniel being brought back into the show after being basically written out of it a couple seasons ago? Well, I assume from, you know, previous experience that they'll bring him back for uh, 45 seconds before somebody shoots him in the face. Oh, you think so? You don't think he's going to be uh, a actual like recurring character this season. Well, no, I, I do think he will be, but oh. you know, I have to go with, you know, history when bringing back characters from previous seasons on something. Right. Like, right. Come off right away. Right. Okay. But isn't that why Luciana, isn't it Luciana's father? Uh, Lucy's father. Yeah. Luciana. Luci yeah. Isn't that? Uh, oh, no, it's not. No, 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 no. Ophelia was his daughter. Confused. Anyway, uh, I'm not overly impressed with them bringing him back. No, I must admit I'm not either. He was, uh, where was he? He was on the dam when it exploded, right? Yeah. First he got caught in a fire and he burned to death. Right, right, And then right. he got blowed up in the dam. But now he's fine again. This is such a soap opera. Right. And also Strand, 
shot him, right? <laughs> yeah, like, like he's unkillable. He he's he's like Beta in the other show. He's uh, he's just he's unkillable. Uh, that's right. Protected by the plot device shield. Strand shot him in the face, I think. I, I need to go back and remind myself exactly what happened, but I think he did. So he was shot in the face. He burned up in the in the fire, as you said, on, in the, the winery. Yeah. And he blew up on a dam. <laughs> now, to be fair, a lot of people blew up on that dam, and most of them survived. Right, because, you know, explosions aren't that bad. No. So... At the very least, we're going to get, um, we're going to, we are going to get, revisit the tension between Strand and Daniel when he shows up again. And, uh, I guess the other stuff isn't quite as bad, but yeah, so they're, they're, they're we're going to have that tension between those two again, but you're right. I don't, I feel like it's just kind of bringing back the past and, you know, move forward, don't move back. If he burned in that fire and was fine. And is able to come back to the show. Does that mean Madison can come back because she burned in that fire and everything's fine? Madison was surrounded by fire and zombies. But you're right. If Salazar can come back, I think anybody can come back. Yeah, so dead is not dead. This is why I think Madison is still alive. Because, you know, just because you're dead doesn't mean you can't come back in in a season later on. Who would you rather have come back, Daniel or Madison? Madison. Me too, 100%. Kim Dickens is awesome. I don't want her to leave the show. I thought it was dumb that they killed her off. Yeah, I agree with that totally. So, I don't know. I mean, bringing Salazar back, not my favorite idea. Uh, We'll have to see where it goes. I think they're strictly doing it so that they can continue whatever's going on between him and Strand. Like, they can't think of anything else to do with Strand? They have to bring back a previous... Nemesis. Well, don't you feel like Strand has been kind of useless on the show for a while now? He's just he has. He's he's become the, in a way, he's become the Eugene of this show, right? He's got a very unusual sort of way of expressing himself. He's kind of not there doing too much, you know. Although I think Eugene has has Eugene's usage on on The Walking Dead has improved lately. Strand, not so much. So. I don't know. Yeah. I, they could find something better to do with Strand, I would hope. But maybe this will be super compelling. We'll have to find out. Not sure. It's um, going to suck. <laughs> God, let's try to be positive, man. Let's try to be positive. I'm going to try okay. to be positive. It might not suck. There. See, that's a little bit better. <laughs> it might not suck so hard. There you go. All right. I did. Uh, I did. I, do, I realized that I did want to answer Dan in Columbus, Ohio's question about if the theory about sort of this all crossing over with the Rick movies is correct, what three characters from fear would you want to see appear in the Rick movies? Uh, John Dory, June, and that's it. Alicia. <laughs> no. I mean, if you're going to choose another one, it's those no, I don't. It's my choice. I get to choose nobody. Okay. So you're only going with two. Uh, yeah. John Dory, June, I guess, and, and Alicia, those are mine. Like Max Headroom. <laughs> He's my third choice. Actually, Max Headroom, not Matt Frewer. <laughs> yeah. No, <laughs> not Logan. Matt Frewer. I, yeah, Max Headroom. <laughs> Can you get a Max Headroom personal assistant? I don't know. That'd, probably. That'd awesome. Oh, yeah. Get, change your Siri voice to, uh, to Max Headroom. That'd be hilarious. <laughs> uh, anyways, yeah, 
I I would have to sacrifice. Like I could move on from um uh who the hell's on this show? I I could move on from from most of them. I think. Uh, but John Dory, we love Lenny James. I could I could move on from Lenny James, and I love Lenny James. He just he's. I I uh, think it's quite telling that neither of us chose Morgan. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. Okay, well, that is Fear the Walking Dead Season 5, Episode 1. Uh, you know, we didn't get a lot of feedback on this show, on this episode, but we still do want to hear it, so send your emails in if you've got something to say. Uh, but we've got Episode 2 coming up on this Sunday, and it's called The Hurt That Will Happen, and we won't be recording our podcast until the following Thursday for it. So uh, watch the episode, you know, send some feedback, and a- again, I'll try to incorporate as much as I can into our podcast. Uh, I, I Really what I want it to do is help sort of guide the discussion a little bit and kind of talk about things that people want to talk about. So um, so definitely send it in if you, if you want to, uh, you know, get a, have an influence on the show. Um, and you can do that by visiting Talking Dead Podcast dot com and using the send voicemail link at the top or you can send emails to talking dead podcast at gmail.com you can also find us on facebook of course at facebook.com slash the talking dead or on twitter at talking dead um i guess those are all the best ways to get in touch and uh, by all means send those in and what else? Thanks again to everyone for supporting us on Patreon. You can do that at patreon.com slash the talking dead. Or if you just want to send in one time, you know, support, you can do that by visiting talkingdeadpodcast.com slash PayPal. That's going to do it for this episode of the podcast. Everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Ciao.